All right. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and chapter two. Uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter two. And as we continue to study Luke two, uh, I think it is helpful for us to be looking at this chapter with Christmas now in the rearview mirror. Um, even though we find ourselves back on the night in which Christ was born, there was nothing Christmassy going on that night in Bethlehem. Uh, there were no Christmas trees, Christmas lights, carolers singing, or Christmas parties. No, on this day in Bethlehem, people were simply living their typical lives. It was a typical winter's day. It's, it's more like what we experience in January than maybe the crazy hustle and bustle of Christmas stuff in December. In Bethlehem, people got up, they got themselves ready for the day's work, they had a bite to eat, and then they applied themselves to their callings, their jobs. When the work was done, an evening meal was shared, people went off to sleep. Repeat again the next day. Uh, here in Luke 2, Bethlehem was a little more crowded than usual because of the Roman registration. But otherwise, life was pretty normal. Uh, if you had come up to a typical Bethlehemite uh, on the day that Christ was born, you would have found probably that they were caught up in their own present concerns uh, thinking about what was going on in their family or what was going on with politics or what was going on with the job and basically like everybody else all around the globe. But of course, surprising things can sometimes happen as we go about the course of our daily lives. And sometimes surprising things can happen while we go about our daily work. Uh, I think about the people in Perth, Australia this week the cab drivers, the retail workers who suddenly saw going down the road a car with a four-year-old boy in his underwear on top hanging onto the luggage rack. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, I asked on Facebook for some folks to share some of their stories of surprising things that had happened to them while they were at work. And frankly, most were about sinful people being sinful people. Uh, most were about people who had said shockingly offensive things or done shockingly offensive things. Uh, it's just a moment to remind ourselves, be nice to people in retail. They see all kinds of things. Um, some people posted about how they had had animals, some, some were bats, some were dogs, some were other animals that had uh, wreaked havoc when they came into their office or their workplace. Uh, I'm sure we could even in this room have a good time sharing about some surprising things that have happened over the years while we were on the job. Well, on this particular day in Bethlehem, uh, what would have seemed like any other winter's day in Bethlehem, we find some shepherds doing their job. Uh, the sun had set. Uh, the sheep are out and uh, on the countryside. I can kind of imagine the, the shepherds sitting around with one another under the stars 
And they're probably talking about the latest politics. Uh, what are we going to do about these you know, new Roman taxes that may be coming because of this census? Uh, they may have been telling stories to each other. Maybe they were true. Maybe they were not true. Uh, Maybe they were complaining about the disappointing wages they'll receive this year when they get the sheep that they're raising to the temple to be used for sacrifices. Water cooler talk, right? Just just typical daily talk. Um, And then suddenly, they get the surprise of their lives. Their typical day is radically interrupted. And so I want us to read this passage But as we read it, put Linus out of your mind, put Christmas trees out of your mind, okay? And let's try and read this passage and hear it as as maybe something that you haven't heard before. So let's begin in verse 8, Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Well, this morning we're going to unpack some of the glorious truth that is in this passage under three headings. So here are the headings. An angelic appearance, an angelic announcement, and an angelic anthem. So an angelic appearance, an angelic announcement, an angelic anthem. So first, an angelic In verse 8, our attention is suddenly drawn away from where it has been. Our attention had been on Mary, Joseph, the newborn child in this guest house, Mary's firstborn son being laid in this manger because there was no room for them in the lodging place. And suddenly our attention is drawn to a different part of Bethlehem, to a group of Shepherds, And we're not told who these shepherds were. Uh, We're not told how many there were. Uh, That kind of information isn't given. All we know is these were shepherds outside of Bethlehem. Uh, The idea that Bethlehem shepherds would not be out with their flocks in December because it would be too cold is simply not true at all. 
the climate in Bethlehem is uh, most like the U.S. city of Lake City, Florida, which even in winter has very mild temperatures. And Bethlehem is a region of caves, so shepherds often use caves to contain the sheep overnight. Uh, When you picture the shepherds out with their sheep in the fields, don't picture flat fields. This isn't Texas, okay? These are very hilly fields, and they're somewhat barren. Um, This is why the shepherds were constantly on the move with the sheep, going from place to place, because it's not the most fertile part of the world, and they needed to have places for the sheep to continually stay fed. And so here are these shepherds, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're moving the sheep from place to place around the countryside of Bethlehem. Now, it is interesting, uh, somewhat surprising, that this astounding announcement would come to shepherds. Shepherds were not exactly looked upon as the great movers and shakers of society. Uh, One scholar says, in Christ's day, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. It's true that shepherding was seen as a noble vocation in the Old Testament, but it seems to have lost its respectability over time. Uh, Randy Alkern says, By the days of the prophets, sheep herders symbolized judgment and social desolation. Zephaniah 2 verse 6. Amos contrasted his high calling as a prophet with his former role as a shepherd. Amos 7 14. Uh, Dr. Joaquin Jeremiah said shepherds were despised in everyday life. In general, they were considered second class and untrustworthy. Uh, Shepherding had not just lost its widespread appeal, it had eventually forfeited its social acceptability. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations, others became victims of a cruel stereotype. The religious leaders maligned the shepherds' good name. Rabbis banned pasturing sheep and goats in Israel except on desert plains. Dr. Uh, Joachim says the Mishnah... Judaism's written record of the oral law reflects this prejudice referring to shepherds in belittling terms. One passage describes shepherds as incompetent. Another one says that nobody should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Jeremiah documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of civil rights. Shepherds could not fill judicial offices and you could not call on a shepherd as a reliable witness in court. By the way, isn't that interesting? That at the end of Jesus' life, well, not the end, the second beginning, right? When he rises from the dead, who does he appear to first? He appears to ladies who were not able to stand as witnesses in court. And here at the beginning of his life as a human being, who gets the birth announcement first? Who gets to come and worship the Lord Jesus and bear witness to the the people in Bethlehem? It is men who would not have been accepted in a courtroom as reliable witnesses. Dr. Jeremiah writes, To buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden because it was assumed that it was stolen property. 
In Jerusalem, in the time of Jesus, the rabbis would ask in amazement how Psalm 23 could say, the Lord is my shepherd, because that seemed like a diminishing thought to call God a shepherd. Smug religious leaders maintained a strict caste system at the expense of shepherds. Shepherds were officially labeled sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. So, at the very least... When we read about shepherds in Bethlehem, we are not to think about a group of men highly esteemed in society. But there is a strange conjunction here. Uh, These aren't just shepherds. These are Bethlehem shepherds. These were the shepherds who raised the lambs who were to be used in the sacrifices at the temple. Remember, the temple is just seven miles away in Jerusalem. Uh, These are the shepherds who are trained to recognize a lamb that cannot be used for the sacrifices because it has a blemish of some kind. These are shepherds that probably would have been more familiar with the Old Testament laws and the regulations about sacrifices than most other shepherds because they had to make sure that the sheep that they were going to bring to the temple... We're going to meet those qualifications in order to get paid for their work. Uh, These were men that, sure, they were despised and were in a, a lowly vocation, but they did hold an important place in that particular vocation. And so here are these shepherds. Uh, Maybe they're preparing for sleep. Maybe they're chatting each other up. And then suddenly we're told an angel of the Lord appears to them. And this is not like the gentle, angelic appearance that we saw earlier when Gabriel appeared to Mary. This is not an angel who appears as a fairly ordinary man in ordinary circumstances. No, we're told that when this angel appears, we're told that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now think about this. Uh, The glory of the Lord is a phrase often used in Scripture to refer to a bright, blinding, knock-you-off-your-feet kind of light. It's the kind of light that pierces you, that takes your breath away. It has a heaviness to it. You're experiencing something of the glory of God Himself. It's the glory of God's holiness. It's it's something that when the glory of the Lord shines upon you, you experience it with your eyes, but you're also experiencing it with your your flesh and your bone and your soul. This is the kind of seeing the glory of the Lord that causes you to fall on your face and cry out, woe is me. Remember, after Moses experienced this light, his own face shone so brightly that he had to wear a veil so that other people could approach him. And that was just the residue, right, from his experience. And so one moment, you have these shepherds under a night sky. Maybe it was clear and they could see some stars. Maybe it was cloudy. We don't know. But it's, it's dark. And then the next moment, all around them, they're surrounded with this brilliant, piercing, powerful light. And in the midst of that light, there is this angel from God, this messenger Uh, Mount Hermon, don't picture a lady with wings and a halo floating up in the sky. Every one of those details is not in this passage. (laughs) Okay? 
Um, that's an unbiblical, unscriptural picture of an angel. When angels appear in scripture, they appear as men. They do not typically have wings, unless you're referring to particular types of angelic creatures like cherubim and seraphim. But angels, when they appear as messengers, typically do not have wings. There's nothing here about the angel being up in the air. Okay, More likely, the angel, the, the, it's dark, and all of a sudden there's light, and the angel's standing right in front of them, feet on the ground, right there. Uh, like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, standing before Peter, James, and John, Suddenly, Jesus you know, was transformed in this breathtaking light. So now, standing before these shepherds is this angel in the form of a man, surrounded by this massive glory. And I can imagine the sheep, if they're in the sheepfold, they're all rushing to the corner and, and, and buying or whatever they do, and you know, over that way. Or if they're in a cave, they're all running to the, the back of the cave. And it's not just the sheep who are afraid. It's, it's the shepherds, too. Uh, surely they're immediately terrified. What's, what's going on here? What, what is the sudden light that's come upon us? Who is this being before us? Are we about to die? That's, that's the kind of thing that was going through their mind. And immediately the angel seeks to calm their fears. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is a pattern that we've seen before. An angel appeared to Zechariah. He was afraid. The angel calmed Zechariah's fears, delivered a message, and gave him a sign that the message would come true. An angel appeared to Mary. Mary was afraid. The angel calmed Mary's fears, gave her a message, and gave her a sign that the message would come true. Now yet again, we see that pattern playing out. And there's a wonderful kind of play on words in the passage. We're told that the shepherds were filled with great fear. And wouldn't you in that situation? Um, the two Greek words are mega and phobia. They had megaphobia. Okay? That's what happened. They were filled with great fear. Uh, the angel says, do not fear. I come with a message of great joy. Mega karos. Right? So, so no megaphobia, what I'm about to tell you should bring you mega karos, mega joy, great joy. The, the piercing light, the weight of God's presence upon them. All of this is not to, to, to herald a message of horror or terror or judgment. It's to herald a message of joy that will be for all the people, everyone who will believe it. So instead of great fear, it's a message of great joy. All right, so we have this angelic appearance. Now, the angelic announcement. What is the message? Why is this happening? What is being said? And the message is given succinctly in verse 11. Verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Except I didn't say the first word. And that first word is actually very important. The word for or because. You're going to have great joy. There is great joy for all the people. There's great joy available to you, shepherds, for because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And it's for all the people. So, so this joy is not just for shepherds. It's not just for Bethlehemites. It's not just for Israelites. It is going to be a joy available to all the people. Unto you is born this day. That's not typically how birth announcements work. Right? Typically say, uh, unto so and so and so and so has been born. But unto you is born this day. Um. We get birth announcements from time to time. They're always a joy to receive. Crystal and I uh, used to be uh, live in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and I was a youth minister. And now all those teenagers have gotten older and gotten married. And so on Facebook sometimes or occasionally in the mail, we'll get one of these birth announcements. And it just makes you feel old, right, uh, to, see that, to see that happen. But it's always a joy uh, to hear about someone being blessed with a baby. And uh, we're rejoicing this morning with Sherwood and Karen and uh, so excited about the birth of their first grandchild over the weekend. And so, uh, but we're, we're, we're used to birth announcements. This is a birth announcement, but it's not typical. He doesn't even mention the babies, I mean, the parents' names. Doesn't say anything about Mary, doesn't say anything about Joseph. He says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto, unto you. He has come for you. He has come for the world. And the angel emphasizes the place. And he doesn't say Bethlehem. He says the city of David. In other words, the prophecy is being fulfilled. Micah's prophecy about a Messiah who would be born in the city of David, Bethlehem Ephrathah, right? In that city, the Messiah was to come. Hey, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ. That is Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. He is Christ. He is the long-awaited, long-prayed-for, long-sought-after Messiah. He is the son of Abraham who will bring to all fruition the promises made to Abraham, and he is the Lord, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the one whose kingdom will never fail or never end. Jesus Christ is the one before whom on the last day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord of all. Caesar Augustus is probably ever hanging out in Rome thinking he's the ruler of the world. Uh, Roman soldiers running around probably through Bethlehem doing their work. Nobody was paying attention to this baby in a manger, and yet this baby would be the king of the world. And this angel was sent, and this angel brings his announcement, not to Caesar Augustus, not to Herod, not to the priest in the temple, who you would think would be the ones really waiting. No, this message was brought to shepherds. Mount Hermon noticed that the message delivered by the angel is all about Jesus. Uh, this is the message of good news, the gospel. This is the message of glad tidings, right? The message of the gospel that brings joy to all who believe is a message with Christ at its center. And the message of the gospel is that we need a Savior, a Christ, a Lord, who has now Come. Any gospel message that does not center on Christ as a Savior and Lord is a false gospel. Any gospel that doesn't declare to men their need for a Savior and a Lord is a false gospel. 
The gospel message is not that we are lonely and need a friend. The gospel message is not that our main problem is we have low self-esteem and we need an encourager. The gospel message is not that we are ignorant and we need a teacher. No, at the heart of the gospel is the message that we are sinners and we need a savior. That is the message that was proclaimed to the shepherds. That was the message that they were then to take throughout Bethlehem and to share with others. A savior for sinners has come. By giving this message to shepherds, and especially Bethlehem shepherds, we see that this was a message for ancient Israel. That is, this gospel message was being proclaimed now to that ancient nation living under the old covenant that the Savior for whom they had been waiting had now come. The Lamb of God, to which every sacrificed lamb at the tabernacle and temple had pointed to, had now come. The temple, with its rituals and its sacrifices, would soon be gone forever, replaced by the Son of God to whom they always pointed. What's being taught right here is, here's why you're going to the shepherds who raised the lambs for the temple in Jerusalem. It's to say, what you've been doing, what you've been leading up to with your work, it's coming to its fruition. It's coming to its fulfillment. The Lamb of God has come. By giving this message to these Bethlehem shepherds, men who were involved in the religious practices of Israel, we see that this message is for religious people. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're a religious person. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you read your Bible and you follow religious rules. Maybe you've walked an aisle or you've prayed a sinner's prayer. You've joined a church. Maybe you've taught Sunday school or led a ministry. You're religious. But being a religious person does not make you right with God. The Pharisees were very religious. And it was not enough. The only hope for religious people is a Savior, Christ the Lord. Uh, He is the only one who can be our righteousness in heaven, our righteousness before God. But by bringing this message to shepherds, we see that it's a message not just for ancient Israel. It's a message not just for religious people. It's a message for common people. I think that's probably most of us in this room. Most of us are not anything special. Most of us are common people, blue collar like these shepherds. I think that's part of why God chose to give the birth announcement to shepherds. I think it's the same reason Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem, not the booming metropolis of Jerusalem. I think it's why we find him lying in a manger in a feeding trough rather than a crib. All these details were ordained by God to show that his son was being given for the sake of all people. Indeed, it would typically be the wealthy and the powerful who hated Jesus. Who were blinded by their own self-righteousness. Jesus came for the lowly. Jesus came for white-collar workers, sure, but blue-collar workers. 
He came for any who are caught in their sin and they know it. Jesus came for the outcasts. Through the saving work of Jesus, these lowly folks would come to know a glory that was far higher and better than the most rich and powerful know by human standards. Um, If there's a person in this room this morning who's thinking, could Jesus love even me? The whole reason the birth announcement came to shepherds is to say, yes, even you, even the lowly, even the despised, even those that the world looks down upon, even those who aren't considered worthy to even testify in court. Jesus has come even for you unto you is born this day, a savior. Well, very quickly, we've seen the angelic appearance. We've seen the angelic announcement. Look at the angelic anthem. This is verse 13. And as if, as if what has happened so far isn't crazy enough, right? Right here we were. We were just chatting. We were getting ready for bed. The sheep were over here in the sheepfold. It was all dark. And all of a sudden, light everywhere. And the angel standing in front of us. And it proclaims to us this message of good news. And then verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Now, again, there's nothing here about the angels being in the sky. Okay? This isn't, this isn't necessarily an angelic choir up, up in the sky. It appears that all of a sudden there are angels all around the shepherds. Right? All around them. There's this massive choir of angels singing praises to God. Remember when the prophet Elisha was in the town of Dothan. Not Alabama, in Israel. Okay? And he has uh, his servant with him. And the king of Syria has sent down a regiment of his soldiers and chariots to come seize Elisha. And we're told that Elisha's servant comes to him trembling because he sees that they're surrounded by the regimental army of Syria. And we're told that Elisha prayed and suddenly his servant's eyes were open and he saw there was another army there. An angelic army, an army of fire that was there to protect them. I think something similar happened here. That all at once, the eyes of these shepherds were open, and for a moment, they saw the angelic realm. For a moment, they suddenly saw the, this host of angels from heaven, all around them, singing praises to God. Mount Herman, we need to remember, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our battles, our God is at work. And he is at work through angels that that you don't often get to see, maybe never in this lifetime, any glimpse of the angelic realm. But it is there and angels do the bidding of God for his glory and for your good. Wouldn't you love it if God would just open our eyes this morning and we could see even in this room the angelic presence that's here? I don't know how many angels are here. There's reason to believe they're here. That's what happened for these shepherds. Their eyes are open and here's this angelic rim, all of these angels. And what are they doing? They're praising God. They're doing the work of heaven right here on earth, right here in the presence of these shepherds. And what are they singing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
If you grew up with me, or with me, if you grew up like me around the King James Version, you know that it says, peace on earth, goodwill among men. Um, the, the best manuscripts, the older, the more reliable manuscripts, read the way the ESV does here. Most modern translations follow those older, better manuscripts. They didn't have those when they translated the King James Version. And so they were doing the best they could with what they had. But what we see here is what the coming of Jesus means. Uh, Luke loves to make announcements and then explain what's really going on in song. Over and over again, already in Luke, we've seen this big thing happens. We're going to hear a song about it, and it's going to explain what's going on. And then this big thing happens, and there's a song about it that tells us what's going on. And so the angel makes this big announcement. A Savior's born unto you, right? Christ the Lord. And then here's this massive choir of angels, and they're singing, and they're explaining what it's all about. Why has Jesus come? Because through him, God will be glorified. God will be seen and known and loved and worshipped because of Jesus. Because of the salvation that God brings, men and women, boys and girls will know God. They'll have a relationship with God. They will experience the joy of God. They will honor God. God will be glorified. Indeed, in Jesus, we see the mercy of God, the power of God, the love of God, the strength of God, all in Him. God is more greatly loved. God is glorified because of Jesus. And through Jesus, peace is brought upon God's favored ones. That's how I understand the second part of the song. Um, Those with whom God is pleased are not people who have earned his love. They're not those who have earned his favor. They are sinners just like everyone else. But God in his sovereign mercy has set his pleasure on them, his favor on them. And through Jesus Christ, he is making peace with them. Nothing in the world is more important than having peace with God. And that peace is coming through this Savior, born in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. And so we have the angelic appearance, the angelic announcement, and the angelic anthem. And how did the shepherds respond? They went to Jesus, and they worshiped him. May we do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful.